Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Governor Phil Bryant outlines his hopes for Mississippi in the annual State of the State Address, issues like education. Our graduation rate is over 80%, which is the highest it has ever been. Law enforcement. I ask you tonight to back the badge of our troopers and put more of them on the road. And even a state lottery. We can no longer contain the people's desire for a lottery. We can only force them to travel. Joining us with analysis are at-issue contributors Austin Barber and Brandon Jones. Plus, smoking costs Mississippians more than many other states will have some advice for those looking to quit. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Governor Phil Bryant is urging legislators to remain conservative in spending state dollars. He outlined his plans for this legislative session and touted the successes of his administration in the annual State of the State Address to the Mississippi Legislature. Joining us with a look at the address and what it could mean for Mississippi are frequent at-issue contributors Austin Barber and Brandon Jones. Austin, a Republican, is managing partner at the Clearwater Group. Brandon, a Democrat, is a partner at the Barrier Jones Law Firm. So... Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Thank and let, you. Let's start off generally. Initial reaction to the speech, Austin? I, I thought it was good. Um, I, I, I thought it was well-received. Obviously, not all the people on the other side of the aisle are going to agree with everything the governor says. But I think for the most part, um, he didn't really say anything too crazy. He didn't say anything that was too earth-shattering that hasn't already been discussed. Um, I think what he did say is, hey, foster care is the big issue that I'm going to focus on for the remainder of, of my four-year term. I thought that was that was not interesting, but g- good for him to, to, to talk about an issue that matters to so many kids um, who sometimes can't do anything about the situation that they're in. Brandon, your response? I think that Governor Bryant gives a good speech. I think he's an underrated speechmaker. He, he's a good communicator. He gave a speech last night that um, – I think was intended to highlight um, some of what he sees as positive changes in Mississippi. And to the extent that that's what he set out to execute, he executed it. Um, It is public theater, so it's not the type of wonkish policy level uh, deep dive that some of us like to hear, especially with the state struggling on so many different fronts. But I think as far as political fluff goes, he he cleared the bar. But, you know, that's just not him. 
I think yeah. he is a good speechmaker. He does know his audience, whether it's at the Neshoba County Fair or whether it's at an MEC, we get a, 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 a room full of business executives, or you're talking to state legislators. He, he has always been very good at sort of figuring out who am I talking to, and i got to figure out the right way to talk to them. And he's not a wonkish guy. I think he would readily admit that. Um, I think our, our the, the governor before was a little more wonkish and would would get into that, but I, but that that's that's good of you to admit that. He's what a, is your well, what is your definition well. of wonkish? <laughs> Someone who really wants to get deep into policy and talk about policy, and that and and that's sometimes very difficult to do in front of a large audience. Yeah. Education, obviously, a very big deal, as it is always in every legislative session. Let's hear a few things the governor said about that. We're also making great progress in public education. More than 90% of our third graders passed their reading exam last year. And, and our fourth graders, our fourth graders led the nation and led the nation in scoring gains on their reading and math tests. Because of the work of organizations like Jobs for Mississippi Graduates, which serves at-risk high school students, our graduation rate is over 80%, which is the highest it has ever been. I also eagerly anticipate modernizing the formula we use to fund public education. Like many of you, I believe we should devote resources to education programs that have consistently achieved their stated goals and prioritize spending where the student gets the most good out of our investment. The priority should be in the classroom, not at central office. Our school children and their parents deserve nothing less. Brandon, there's some good news there regarding graduation rate and test scores. Uh, do we credit Governor Bryant for that, for improvements in the classroom? Well, I, I do think that the focus of Republicans on education, once they took control of the House, Senate, and Governor's Mansion, is undeniable. So I, I do think that it's disingenuous to say that Republicans don't have some hand in the changes to our educational system that have taken place over the last um, you know, several sessions. Now, having said that, I'm a former member of the legislature who voted to fully fund MAEP four years in a row, along with my House colleagues, and was always defeated in that effort by Republicans. So I, we have to be honest about where we stand in educational policy in this state. It's also very notable to me that one of the favorite sort of um, whipping boys of Republican educational policy talk is we're spending too much money on administration. And I, I would I would I point that out simply because we had a presentation this week by a group, Ed Build from New Jersey, who is supposed to give us all of the secret sauce for what we're missing in educational policy. One of the more striking things that they said was that we're actually not spending enough on admin. And they, they one of their proposals was that we consider that. I, I think you know, we want to celebrate a higher graduation rate, but we don't need to get so caught up in doing a victory lap that we forget that Mississippi is still woefully behind even similarly situated states and how we are educating our children. Austin, is there anything wrong with having the money follow the student? Listen, Brandon said a lot just there, and I think I have to go back and, and, and I'll answer your question. But Republicans under Tate Reeves, under Philip Gunn, and under Governor Phil Bryant have really focused on education, whether it's trying to pay teachers more with teacher pay raises, whether it is instituting a third-grade reading gate, which, of course, means that a kid can't go to the fourth grade if they can't read. 
common sense, people. Makes, I mean, it's a really smart thing. And tons of other things they've done with charter schools and other issues. They've really focused on it. And I, I think the governor sort of laid out um, some facts last night to show that it's working. Okay? It's going to take more time. Let's don't spike the ball and do a victory dance. Because as Brandon said, there's a lot more that's got to be done. We're sitting right here in Hines County. Jackson Public Schools are woefully failing. Um, some of them are doing okay, but many of them are not, and that is not fair to these kids. So until we have you know, a vast majority of our schools throughout the state um, that are performing um, at an average or better uh, level, then we can spike the ball. But we're, but we're not there yet, and I think as they look at school funding, uh, I think that's, that, that is an issue that uh, – and, ha- and how these school districts are funded, that's sort of the next big – chapter for Republicans to try to um, get everybody headed in the right direction. All right. We're going to move on to uh, jobs, unemployment. We certainly know that Governor Bryant um, touts his accomplishments in bringing in industry to the state. So let's hear what he has to say about that. The number of Mississippians who are unemployed is the lowest since February of 2004. In fact, Mississippi was one of only nine states to experience what the Federal Bureau of Labor Statistics called a significant decrease in unemployment. The last 12 months, we have announced, please, I'll wait. In the last 12 months, we have announced more than 6,000 new jobs from projects incentivized by this legislature through your team at the Mississippi Development Authority. People want to come into the state. Governor Bryant says that. So jobs are increasing. Why is our economy not seeing the result of that more jobs in the state, Brandon? Well, the statistics don't support the argument. That's why. I mean, what the governor did, and this is an example of what I said earlier. I said he's a good speech maker. Part of what makes him a good speech maker is that he can thread that needle where you can say things that have the flavor of of truthiness to them, but really fall short when you dig into the data. The truth of the matter is Mississippi has lost jobs since 2004. We are at a net job loss. No one can say any different. That's just facts. The other thing is that between 2015 and 16, we lost about 3% of our population. So let's take those two points we just heard the governor talk about. We're growing jobs. Well, we're not growing jobs. And we like to announce whenever we make big hires, but we don't talk about how those big employment boons don't make up for the job loss. And then when you have 3% of your population, think about that for a second, 3% of your population to leave a state over a 365-day period, that does not mean that people are rushing to Mississippi. And so... I don't want to be dour. I don't think that it would have been appropriate last night for the governor to be bleak. I'm, I'm glad that he does try to take on a salesman-type role. But if we're talking about what are our next steps and how does Mississippi grow into its best potential, let's not kid ourselves about where we are in employment. We're not good. Truthiness, would you respond that it's truthiness? I, I'm going to have to see this 3% of the state population has left in the last 365. That's like 75,000 people. You're going to have to. I'm going to fact check you on that, my friend. <laughs> I need to see some proof on that, that stat. But, I mean, listen, uh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of our neighbors that are struggling. Their economies are struggling. Their budgets are struggling. If you look at what's going on, uh, particularly in Louisiana, even, even as far across as Alabama and Georgia, it's not where people want it. And I, and I think the legislature understands that, but they're trying to do things to spur the economy along. Um, they passed they pass the largest 
uh, tax cut uh, in the history of Mississippi last year. That that is their hope that that will help job creators create more jobs. I think we've had some shining examples in the past 12 months with Continental Tire Project, which is going to employ hundreds, if not thousands, of people right here in Hines County. And, of course, the big uh, announcement by Raytheon to build some really high-tech uh, hopefully they'll they'll get the award uh, in uh, jets in in Meridian, but you, people are flocking to Mississippi. Twenty three million people came to Mississippi last year from sort of a tourism stat. That's more people that have come here since Katrina. Now let's see if we can't find a way to keep those people here as well. At least some some so we can make up for this alleged three percent loss that that you're doubting over there. Well, we're losing people, and you can check my Twitter page later today oh, for really? the for the uh, reference point to that. You should tag but me on it. The the important thing that Austin just mentioned went to the budget, and I thought this is a great opportunity to remind folks that we do have Democrats in the state, and Democratic members of the legislature did make a response to the state of the state last night. And one of the key lines that I heard in that part dealing with the budget came from Minority Leader David Berry, a representative from Bay St. Louis, who said, "We have, <laughs> if you could tax cut and uh, low wage your way into." first place, Mississippi would be first in everything. The truth of the matter is we have not seen this type of economic policy that the Republicans have touted in this state come home to roost and bear fruit. People are not giving more in taxes by virtue of these tax cuts. We're not seeing our revenue go up. Uh, The governor kind of in a very skillful way talked about how more cuts are coming. More agency-level cuts are coming. Um, and that's not the sign of a strong government. I mean, we, I, know, I know that part of, it, part of it was masked in this language of, as Republicans, we believe in small government. But what he was really telling the state was, we are still struggling to pay our bills. And, and, and let's talk about that. That is where we are. Mississippi cannot pay its bills. And so when you cannot pay your bills, I have a hard time swallowing this notion of these economic policies are working. Where are they working? In what way are they working? And for whom are they working? Before I you respond, I, I, let's let's hear what the governor has to say about the budget. Now, let me provide some reality here. My first budget as governor in 2012 was $5.53 billion. The most recent adjustment with the most recent adjustment to the 2017 budget it will still be $6.26 billion, or 13% larger. That's $730 million more in government spending from state support appropriations than just five years ago. That's almost three times the rate of inflation. So any narrative implying draconian cuts in state service would simply be fake news. Austin, if that's the case, then why are we struggling? Why are agencies being cut repeatedly? Uh, uh, listen, I got to go back and, and and talk about what Brandon said. Uh, Brandon, and I usually love to have these conversations on on that issue seven thirty on Friday nights, um, but he's usually not as hyperbolic as he is this morning. Maybe he drank a lot of coffee <laughs> this morning. Listen, we have this is a very educated audience that li- listens to the show. A vast majority of these tax cuts don't go into place until. Hear me. 2018. So these revenue numbers that you that people might say, oh, the revenue numbers are down because of the tax cuts. That is simply not true. That's like that's like me saying, hey, you're going to give me a dollar tomorrow, but today you're a dollar poor. Wait a minute, you don't give me that dollar till tomorrow. So we can't go fall into that trap. Um, but but some tax incentive packages have happened. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, the the tax incentive. 
Wait, tax incentives or tax cuts? Tax incentives. What? I think we're talking about two different things here. Not, but, 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 but let's but go ahead. Point. But I don't cuts. want to fall into a hole about, that, that's about right. taxes. But, but to, in fairness, the sleep. franchise tax cut has not gone into effect. It has not. But somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 million in tax cuts beginning in 2012 have gone into effect. Yeah. And so, I mean, look, we're not arguing that tax cuts haven't gone into effect. What? What? Listen, as we always say, and I, and I, and I believe this. Republicans under the leadership of the of the Speaker, Philip Gunn, Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves, and the Governor, Phil Bryant, they believe in we want to take less of your money. It's either going to work or it's not going to work. They believe that it will. They believe if they take less of your money when you're paying your individual taxes that you'll spend that on other things. They believe if they take less money with a franchise tax from businesses that they will reinvest that money back in their business and hire more people. When these go into place, we'll be in 2019, 2020, 2021, when they've had some time, it's either going to work or not. And voters, as we always say, will be the ones that say, huh, this economy has done really well, and we're going to reward these guys with more time, or it's failed, and we're throwing them out. It's as black and white as that. I think you're I think you're being very, you know, Honest? honest when you say that, but the, the the problem here, and this is where you have to dig below the rhetoric, these tax cuts aren't reaching regular workers. These tax cuts, when you talk about the franchise tax cut, that ain't mom and pop. Those are those are strip store, out of state, some international companies. These are not dripping down. And so whenever I say, if you ask a person who's working to stay in the middle class, are they feeling the benefit of these proposals? Of course they're not. And guess what? Mississippi is largely comprised of those struggling to get into the middle class sure. and those just below it. So if your tax cuts aren't reaching them, really, who, who are we bragging about? Fifteen seconds. Listen, that's why we're trying to do. That's why Republicans are trying to do things to to, to fix the education system. So these people who are trying to to get into the middle class, they can get a better education. They can get a have a better workforce for more employees come here. That's why we're trying. They got rid of the 3% individual tax rate. And listen, there will be big companies, middle-sized companies, and some small companies who will be able to benefit from the franchise tax. And the hope is that they will pass some of those savings along to people who are making minimum wage or people who are making $40,000 a year. So the belief is that some of those people that you don't think will actually get a benefit. Oh, I'm reading well, 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 the encyclopedia piece next to trickle down. All right, all right, <laughs> I want to get back to the question. If so much money is coming in, as the governor said, and that, that there aren't these draconian cuts, then why are agencies being cut repeatedly? I mean, look, I, I think that I think the philosophy of the legislature right now is they want to lower. They want to lessen the size. Um, excuse me. They want to make the size of state government smaller. Um, they, that's that's their philosophy. I think if we had tons of new revenues coming in, they would still uh, try to find ways to um, to, to make cuts. That's but isn't that believe. isn't that saying to people who work in state agencies that they are not valued, that their no, jobs are not necessary? Of not. No, that's that. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step back. No, that is absolutely not doing that. I, I, I saw what Mark Baker said the other day. Um, who was a part of the leadership team in the House, and he said, "Listen, we ought to just we ought to give these agencies whatever amount of money we're going to do, and say, hey, go do what you know how to do best. Let's reward the programs um, that are working, and let's let's take money away from the from the programs within these agencies that are that are not working. But that is absolutely not saying to a state employee, well, we don't have any faith in you because we think you sh- you could do things for nine dollars versus nine dollars and seventy five cents." We could probably spend an entire segment on this, but I, I do think that the 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 point 
that Governor Bryant was arguing against is that there are those of us who criticize this government for not valuing what state agencies do. And there are those of us who recognize that whether it's a public health matter, whether it's infrastructure matter, whether it's an education matter, you simply do not have a good state without great state employees. And you can't attract and keep great state employees without paying them a competitive wage and doing the same things that other states are doing. Mississippi is outclassed and outpaced in those categories, which is why we have such a hard time keeping great employees at our state agencies. But I will say this, they do get, I'll take a different tone than the governor took. I think our state agencies in many cases get more bang for the buck than just about anywhere else. I have seen them piece together programs in underserved communities that have made a difference in people's lives. Let's move on to um, BP funds. A lot of money coming into the state. Should it go to the Gulf Coast or can it be used elsewhere? We're going to hear what the governor said. I will also ask you to create a new and separate savings account. For this year, one that will house what remains of the initial payment from the BP Economic Damages Settlement, that nearly $110 million should go into the Gulf Coast Restoration Reserve Fund. Now, when, when the time comes, thank you, Gulf Coast, when the time comes to assemble the budget for fiscal year 2019, I still believe the funds should go where the worst damage occurred, our Gulf Coast. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, Austin? it does. I think this is really smart from the governor. It's 110, I, there's about $110 million that's left over from the first payment from, from BP for, econ, for the Economic Development Damages Fund. Um, and I think he's really smart to say, listen, let's grab that $110 million, let's put it in a separate account, um, and let's not spend it right now. Let, let's go through. Let's have a uh, um, let's have a committee. Obviously, that that the lieutenant governor and the speaker uh, are going to be a, a big part of, and going to make the final decisions on. I would assume that that looks at proposals, ideas for projects all along the coast that that need funding. Um, you'll have some pushback from sort of north of I ten. Um, Brandon gets that term. Um, where they said, look, we need to we need to fund this in the Pine Belt or in northeast Mississippi. But a vast majority, if not all that money, should absolutely be spent on the coast. Do you yeah, agree? I, I think that was encouraging. I mean, the bulk of the uh, damage that occurred uh, as that relates to this funding, it occurred on the Gulf Coast, so it makes sense that it be invested there. Uh, one thing the governor did talk about, which has not been popular in the past, is to raise revenue using a state lottery. Now, while we're seeking efficiency, I believe it's also time to look at ways to grow revenue without raising taxes. As I stated in my budget recommendation, I'm open to a general discussion regarding the implementation of a state lottery. As you know, voters cleared the legal pathway for a lottery in 1992 when they chose to remove the constitutional prohibition and allow this legislature to provide authorization and control. Arkansas, the state closest to us in population and demographics, received $80 million from its lottery last fiscal year. That kind of data demands attention. When we see traffic crowded on the Mississippi River Bridge taking revenue to our neighboring state, it may be time to face a new reality. We can no longer contain the people's desire for a lottery. We can only force them to travel. Brandon, a lottery in this state has never been a popular notion. Does this surprise you? Yeah, this ought to wake a lot of people up on their daily commute here. This is a, a 
I guess as as far out of the box as we got last night. And I noticed that Attorney General Jim Hood said that he would be open to that so long as we could dedicate some of that funding into filling some of these budget holes that we talk about, particularly education. Very interesting proposal. That's what these legislative sessions are supposed to be about. So uh, intriguing. Yeah, I just don't understand the lottery thing. And from a personal standpoint, I disagree with the governor on this. And don't disagree with him on much, but I do disagree with this. Look, you have a gaming industry that was legalized in the 90s that have that has spent billions of dollars, literally billions of dollars in Mississippi and employees, that tens of thousands of people. It's struggling. Go to Tunica. Go look at Tunica. Tunica is, is being majorly impacted by what's going on in West Memphis, Arkansas. I don't think the lottery creates one job. I, I, I really don't. I think we need to support the gaming industry that we have here now and not, and, and, and not hurt them further by bringing in a lottery. But we that's need to wrap up opinion. right now. I wish we had more time, but we don't. Um, Brandon Jones and Austin Barber, thank you so much. You can hear them or see them at issue on Friday evenings at 730. Thanks for listening to Mississippi Edition today. Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. It's Marketplace Tech for January 18th. This is MBB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Fire up your laptop to stream the latest episode of a series of unfortunate events or the young Pope or Homeland.